We attended several remarkable conferences this year, both virtually and in person. And last week, we had the opportunity to finish the year with a conference that we had never attended. It will most certainly not be the last. I'm Lia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyond Se Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we love attending events where we learn about winning strategies. Podcast Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Great. My voice is completely gone. <laughs> I know it's funny, right? So uh, probably last time you saw me earlier this week, it wasn't as bad as it is now, but now it's gotten to this point. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a change of the weather, I guess, and maybe talking too much. It was a yeah. fun It was a fun week, right? It was a fun week, and I think that's probably part why you lost your voice. There was a lot of talking <laughs> while we were there, too. Yes, and it was talking for those who are thinking partying and other things. Not at all, just talking. We did have a lovely dinner though, but it was all perfect behavior, right? That's right. That's yeah. the, the, the fun part of it. It was actually that it was all having to do with the conference that we were all at and eating That's dinner right. and everything. So yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great. So for those of you who are not really following our line here and do not understand what are we talking about? So earlier this week, We met in Atlanta to attend the CEO Lawyers Summit, right? And so, Grace, why don't you give us a brief intro again about the CEO Lawyer and what the summit was about? Certainly. So the CEO Lawyer Conference was put on by Aliyah Wad's firm. Um, and it basically was to put together a bunch of attorneys. I think it was about 200 or so, uh, maybe 250. So, yeah, you know what, Grace? 350. That's that was that was the final count. Yeah. Yeah. I, well I was around there. I, I thought I was about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's good. So yeah, there was about um 350 um attendees and there were quite a lot of lawyers. Um there were very oh, yeah. few vendors. Um and the the vendors that were there were hand selected um uh, because uh, Ali does work with them. Um, yep. And has actually used them. And so, you know, they were no liked and trusted as vendors. And so even the vendors that were there were kind of handpicked and selected to be there. Um, so, yeah, that's what it was about. It was about going through all of the different things as a CEO lawyer and how to be a better lawyer. Uh, everything from social media, marketing um, yep. to writing demands and basically everything in between. Yeah, no, it was very, very, very comprehensive. There, would, It touched on so many different topics, as you're saying, some of them pertaining to business growth, some of them very strictly and in-depth about marketing, and some others, you know, I, I was not there on the first day, but just looking at the agenda, we're very much around building the medical case, right? So it was really uh, diverse in the range of topics that they were covered. Let's start off here by talking about what 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 we liked right because i mean there was a lot of really fun stuff but why don't we take it um session by session and see whether first of all we were there secondly 
was there any main takeaways that we took from that one conversation? Why don't you, since I was not there on the first day, why don't you tell us a little bit, sum up the first day? Yeah, I'll break it down uh, pretty briefly. It it was a long first day, but it was because, so they started off essentially um, how to build a pre-litigation machine. Um, and so they taught you how to start uh, with funding your cases. And then they went further into it by talking about how to create the perfect demand and the counter offer. And so the, the whole day was focused on creating the case and what that means. Um, they even had a very long medical panel, which was really interesting for me because we're about to get pretty heavily into motor vehicle accidents, MVAs. Um, and so when he was talking about creating or crafting the right counter offer, the demand um, specific to trucking litigation, uh, catastrophic injuries, and then when they really got into um, you know traumatic brain injuries and life care plans and things of that nature, it was really interesting because one of the concepts that I took away from it, um, as all of you know on here, I'm not a lawyer, but I do play one on TV. <laughs> uh, and I like I like that information, you know what I mean? And so I can also yeah. teach our intake team, which is something that he said as well, which we've always said on here, the more training that your people have, the better off they are because they can help your clients better. And so that's what he was saying on this day, whole day of things is, you know, you don't necessarily have to know the exact terminology that the medical, you know, people are using, but you should, right? Yeah. It's a, it, you, if you know these things, and he even said something that I, I'm going to go back to him and ask him for this. It was 14 things that he looks at when they look at an MRI after a car accident, 14 things. And it's a cheat sheet for his intake and paralegals and his people to look at. Those types of things are the things that you need as a lawyer that help you trigger, but also not just as a lawyer, but your team needs to know those things. So when the people came on and the medical staff was talking about how to interact with them, what the best way to, what information they require so that your client gets the best service um, and the quickest service possible, right? Because yeah. these things are very timely. And so he was talking about the procedures, the timeliness, and everything that has to go into it, including the medical side of things, which is probably one of the most important, right? You need to prove what oh, yeah. happened. Now, moving on into day number two, there were a few presentations, but um, I got there right when Ali was wrapping up his first talk of the day. And so I didn't really get to be part of that much. But of course, you know, when Ali gets on the stage, he just, you know, his charisma and his experience and the way that he presents, it's so engaging, so entertaining. So that for me really, really set up the tone for the conference. It was really exciting. And then right after a lunch break, uh, Alexander Sunara came up. And yeah, that was actually a really, really, really good conversation. You know what, Grace? Because the conversation centered around buying traditional media. And so for those of you who are not very familiar with uh, um, Ali Awad and his trajectory and how he's built his brand, he's pretty much uh, been uh, building it heavily in social media, primarily Facebook and Instagram. And then, of course, he's present in other platforms such as TikTok. But it was really interesting to hear, right, the role that traditional media continues to play, even when you are with a focus on digital and social and such, um, the relevancy that that 
traditional media still has. And especially coming from Alexander Sunara, who most of you know is the kings of the billboard of billboards, right? Like uh 2,500 billboards across one state. It's pretty significant. So while he did not particularly focus the entire conversation about buying billboards, um, here are some main takeaways he said, right? So let's start with the billboards. He said, do not get into the billboards game if you're not going to put at least 10 in the city in which you are. If you're going to go up, put one billboard, forget it. Do Use that money for something else. So think about at least 10 billboards, and that's a good starting point. It was also very interesting, Grace, because somebody in the audience asked him, like, well, how much, you know, how do you price billboards? How do, how do you know? And so Alex right away went and asked, okay, what market? What market? The person says uh, South Carolina. And right off the top, like, without even taking a split second to think, $5,000 for 10 billboards, not a penny more. And so, right. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was amazing. That was really, really cool. Anyhow, so um, that's billboards. Now, a lot of time was spent talking about uh, TV advertising. And one thing I really like, so of course, he was primarily talking about his market, Alabama and such, and which ones are the uh, bigger networks. And um, what he said, right, is that, you know, there is a lot of opportunity on TV. Well, first of all, the relevancy of TV is still there. TV is still very relevant. It still gives you access to uh, an audience that um, is present and engaging with this medium almost every single day. And then the other thing is like, it's a great way of staying top of mind. So what he said is that rather than getting hooked on, you know, the, highly, the, the most highly rated channels and the most highly rated shows, think about if there is a lot of demand on one particular uh, station, that means that potentially other stations are not having that same level of demand. And potentially, there is more of an opportunity there. And so what he says is that when it comes down to traditional media, quantity matters, right? How frequently you are showing up matters a lot. The other thing that he talked about also is about overnight advertising. And he said, that's how I got started. That's when that's that's when I started first running my first TV ads because it was cheap. So he, was, he was saying there is uh, like there are networks that will run your TV ad for one or two dollars a spot. And so that's actually um really gives you a different perspective. Of course, he buys volume, volume craze, but he also said we do not pay more than ten dollars per TV spot. We don't. Other thing that he mentioned that it's extremely important and often get overlooked is uh, how important it is A, to have a terrific media buyer <clears throat> working for you, working with you. Um, they have obviously in-house media buyers, but uh, it's not just that, but it's also then the relationships that you build with the networks. <clears throat> and the, honestly, the biggest thing is the... Um... In everything that you're talking about, that's I, I completely agree. But that make good thing that he said, do you remember that when he was talking about yeah. don't let them make good? Um, because what they're going to try and do is take your spot that you paid this money for, and then they'll stick it in all these other places potentially that that's yeah. not what you paid for. So they're trying to make totally. good. He goes, don't let them make good. Yeah. So a few things about that. So closing up on the first part. So be in really, really, really close relationship with your network representatives, right? 
understand them, get to know them, spend time to them with them. He said, like, I, I take them out to dinner. I spend personally time with them, but my team as well does. And so that's very, very important. Oftentimes overlooked. Now, the other thing that they're saying there is, you know, be you need to scrutinize your schedule against your post log and really see whether you got exactly what you paid for. Because if you did not get what you paid for, A, you get money back, and then you can negotiate additional things, right, because of that. So that's obviously one of the things that um, he brought up. And again, you know, some people that have a lot of experience doing this type of advertising would pick up and know, but some others that are just considering getting started need to know, because that's obviously going to be critical to get the most return on your investment. And then Grace, followed by Alex Chunara, we had Mike Morse come up the stage and talk about Fireproof, which as we've heard in the past, it's a terrific story. It's a wonderful lesson. And, you know, always to get to see Mike and see his latest TV spots on the big screen of the conference room is great. Yeah, Mike Morse has always been, You, I mean, we've had him on the podcast before and, you know, we see him at all of the conferences that you and I go to all the time. And so it was right. really nice to see him again on yep. stage talking about fireproof and fireproofing yep. your business in your law firm. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know what's, what's my favorite part about nowadays, after, after I've actually heard Mike Morris talk a few times, I can pay more, more attention on the reaction of the audience, right? When he's on the stage and he's telling the story and um, how people really get uh, captivated by his story, by what he's telling. And particularly this audience at the CEO Lawyers Summit was diverse, a lot of very, very young lawyers. So it was really, really interesting. Not just uh, Mike Morris, but also, you know, when, I, when someone like Alexander Sonara get on stage and it's kind of like the more established uh, law firms talking about their experience, their journey, how much interest there is from uh, the younger audience about that. So that was also really, really interesting. So Grace, right after that, we moved on to almost what uh, wrapped up the day which was presentation by a gentleman called Hamid Kwan, who I did not know until he got on stage. And he's the CEO for LegalSoft Solution. And what LegalSoft Solution does is it basically enables law firms to manage teams remotely and scale faster, I guess, by minimizing some of their expenses, some of their overhead. And it was really interesting, Grace. He talked about his journey in the industry, how he went on to become the CEO of a law firm and how he got them to be so efficient that then other law firms started to reach out to him and say, hey, we want also for you to uh, help us with our operations. And then he became kind of like a fractional COO. And then he scaled that up until the point that he created this now bigger company that helps multiple law firms. I mean, really hundreds, apparently, across the nation with all kinds of solutions. And so this was interesting, right? Because right now, Grace, the popularity of virtual assistants has never been higher. And law firms need to understand where does it make sense to leverage this type of employment opportunity because not only is it cost-effective, it actually can help alleviate some of the pain points in the organization that have not been properly dealt with. It's always about 
addressing pain points, right? That I think a lot of people don't even think about or or they do and they just keep going because it's just easier to either do it yourself or, um, you know, fix it right away and keep going. So, yeah, I, you know, I, that was probably one of my favorite parts as well. I, I got to say all of the parts were my favorite parts, but um, <clears throat> addressing pain points in your organization is always been a huge thing for me. Um, you know, being software and tech and operations and doing all of those different things, I'm always trying to achieve um, the most efficient way of doing something by using technology, automation, and the right people in the right seats, right? Which is something that right. he was definitely talking about. Then Grace, right after that, Ali Watt took the stage again. And now this presentation I was able to be in for the entire session. And this one was actually Ali really going about how to how to establish your strategy. But he went on to talk a lot about how to build your media team, your video team. And he really gave a lot of different insights, like from what to look, how to build up your uh, job description, to where to post it, to then how to evaluate candidates, how to interview them, how to assess the interview, what exercises, obviously, to give them during as part of the application process, and then how to organize them once they start working with you, Grace. And that's so valuable, right? So, so valuable. I'll tell you something. I've had several conversations with lawyers right after that presentation or, you know, throughout the conference, and many of them were determined to hire a videographer full-time as part of their marketing strategy for next year. And obviously... That just comes to show how much of a key component creating the content is when it comes down to implementing a social media strategy. So a lot was talked around that. And again, I think it was really, um, it, it was rich in information. It was rich in content. And there were so many valuable insights there. Now, then we closed the day with a panel, which was the billion do dollar panel. And so, as you're probably guessing, yes, this was a panel made out of law firms that have all hit the, sorry, the billion dollar in settlements. And so, who was on the stage? So, we had Sarah Williams from Shunara. We have Mike Morse. We have Larry Disparty. We have Rick Harris. And we have Eddie, and Eddie Farah from Far and Far. And so, Grace, such a great panel. And I'll tell you why. Because there were not much agreement on the panel. Like each one of these minds has a, had a completely different take on everything, starting with work-life balance all the way down to what was one of the biggest mistakes or what they would have done differently 10 years ago, what would have changed. So that's, I think, what made it so great is that you are not hearing the same thing over and over and over again by each one of these individuals who is kind of like agreeing with each other. There was completely different takes and at times disagreement. So it was, it was wonderful. It was really, really, really good. I really enjoyed that one. That was the end of day number two. Is there anything else, Grace, that I need to add here about day number two? Uh, earlier in the day, uh, I don't know if you were there for the early, I was actually there in the earlier part of the day, but not the later part of the day. And they had this uh, social media workshop in the daytime. And so um, I know they kind of went back over some more of that, I think on the third day, if I'm not mistaken, but <clears throat> they definitely had a, a decent workshop in day two in the daytime. 
um, that went over a couple of things that were really very interesting. Um, but yes, exactly what you're saying. Honestly, that's another thing that I really loved is almost nobody agreed. It was like they <laughs> was, they agreed on yeah. some right basic concepts and stuff, but like right. the actual execution and how they all did it and how they made it big to where they were yeah. was very varied. Yeah. There were there were a few commonalities, but there were also a lot of differentiators. Um, totally, totally. So just my closing remarks for that day. One thing I really loved going back to the Alexander Sunara presentation was him telling everyone, you advertise, you put it in your billboards, you put it in your TV spots, you put it everywhere. The clients still call and cost and, and ask you how much it's going to cost me, right? And so you need, I mean, why was that interesting for me? It's not because like you need to remind your client, uh, your audience, your market that the consultation is free and that if there is no win, there is no fees. Um, you cannot say that enough. But the part that I really took away from that is that you cannot assume things. You can, uh, you can never assume your audience knows what you think they know right? You need to confirm that with them and you need to explain to them what they don't know. It's so, so important and it's so critical because that's really what makes a huge differentiation between how much leads you generate and how many you actually end up converting. Um, the last thing about that day that I also want to point out about Ali's masterclass really here on how to build your media team, he says it, like you need to be going after interns you need to be going after, he said, students, interns, and Gen Z. That's, that's the people that you need, right? Very young people that are native in these platforms. Um, because he has a very good point, right? They have a way more efficient way of creating content. While many of us are still in the world of recording things on DSLR cameras and then downloading the content into a computer and then using professional software to convert the content and edit it and then, you know, get it ready for publishing. They're doing all of that in 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes from the moment that you finish up creating the content all on their phone. And that's the one main takeaway that I think Ali had when it came down to video content creation. It's not so much about the quality of the video, it's about the the speed in which you can deploy. And he's 100% right, 100% right. One of the examples he gave was about Astroworld. When he realized, when he became aware of what Astroworld, um, what happened in Astroworld, and he went ahead, created the content, so forth and so on. So um, they still had an impact and they signed uh, multiple cases out of that and such. But uh, one, one thing he said is like, if I would have been faster at it, if I would have been made aware about it, uh, faster than I actually was, and if our uh, deployment of videos and everything would have been even faster, then you know our impact would have been much greater than uh, it ended up being, which was already great. So you know that mindset is going to be very, very critical. Grace, day number three and last day of the conference. So it starts up with Ali, I believe. Uh, warming up the audience. I wasn't there when that happened, so I'm just going to assume that did happen because it's here on the agenda. But then at nine o'clock, there was a keynote by Ryan Anderson, Filebind CEO. And that was really, really great. I really enjoyed that conversation. And I'll just summarize it by telling you what was the title of the presentation, because that basically tells you everything you need to know. Run your law firm like a tech company. 
And obviously, the whole idea behind this presentation is, do you have enough data to make good decisions about your law firm? Because if you're not, you're flying blind. And if you're flying blind, you may be losing and leaving a lot on the table. So obviously, a lot of the conversation, a lot of the presentation went on to explain how FileBind gives you access to that data that you need to understand what's working in your law firm, what isn't. And it's not just case management, right? It touches on everything from employee performance to marketing to case management to vendors, right, or partners. It's really, really comprehensive. Really, really, really cool. And so I really enjoyed that conversation. And it also helped me learn more about Filevine, which I think they're doing a great job in positioning themselves as potentially one, one if not the leading uh, law firm management uh, software. I think it's really uh, remarkable how far they've come over the years. Now, I would say that the second half of that presentation, maybe a tiny bit less than half, was about recruitment, was about building a Rockstar's team. And actually, he created that Rockstar into um, an acronym for Rockstar. And I do not remember what each one of those letters stand for. But bottom line, uh, here is some of the high-level Mess, uh, ideas that he shared. Great people are not searching for work on Indeed and LinkedIn. Great people are working and you need to lurch them, <laughs> for a lack of better word, into your business, right? And this is not a fast process. He actually talked about some of his current team members. It took him years to get them to partner with them. So it's not a fast process. And then he went on to talk about many other things. I'm just going to share. I believe, Grace, you, you were part of this uh, conference. How much more important is to have emotional intelligence over traditional IQ, right? And I think he said something so valuable, so important, that many people have not yet thought about it, right? Because he basically went on to illustrate that lawyers are perceived as, again, excuse my expression, but as assholes. And so he said, if you if you bring people to your team uh, and, you, and you kind of uh, live up to that persona that a lot of people think lawyers are, they're not gonna, they're not gonna put up with it, they're gonna leave. So that was, a, you know, that was a good kind of like reality check there. It's great if you can run your law firm as a tech company, but you need to understand that you also need to have the culture of a tech company and of a good tech company, right? Because there is also tech companies that don't have good cultures. So um, it was really good. I love that, Grace. Uh, definitely. I mean, that I felt like you brought it all home, right? And, and that's kind of what your last day is supposed to be. It's supposed to bring it all together and, you know, really just kind of knock it out of the park. And I, I can't say enough about, I mean, I even gave a testimonial while I was there because I felt very strongly about um, how he was able to kind of craft his message. And wait, 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 wait a second. What do you mean you gave a testimonial? You need, 
You need to give me more information on that. Oh, yeah. Sorry. They pulled me out. Um, so I was walking actually back from um, inside or outside for, you know, I just went outside for a little bit and then I came back in and um, there's a gentleman with a camera that asked if I would just give a testimonial about my experience at the event. And uh, so, yeah, I did. <laughs> awesome. 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 Grace. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, you know, get them while they're warm and excited and hyped up about it. How many times have we said that, Grace? This is they're all we talk reviews. about. You're getting reviews, right? Just like in your law firm, you should be asking for those reviews on those moments when you have them in your office, when they're super excited, when they're super happy, when they're just seeing things happening for them. That's the moment you ask for a review. Just like the Ali Awad team did here um, for your uh, review at the conference. Fantastic. So yeah, Grace, it was really, really good. I just, I'm just going to close up this bit about this presentation saying something that was also, I think, a big, a big wake-up call for many of the attendees. And what he said is like, you know, for many of the lawyers sitting here in this room and that they are primarily relying on motor vehicle accidents, we're now living in a world where we are potentially 10 years away from seeing the index of motor vehicle accidents reduced by 90%. And so the, the point that he was making is that if, if you know you're heading there, wouldn't you want to know what other cases that are in your pipeline that are actually being worked on are giving you good revenues? Are seeing demand? Are you finding opportunities? Are you able to increase your caseload mix with those? So it was really, really very meaningful wake-up call, I guess, for many lawyers who are not necessarily thinking of those things. And the way that he brought it up also is like, you know, um, he talked about the recently released, well, not really recently, but uh, last year release of Apple's M1 chip on all of their new line of MacBooks, MacBook Pros, even iMacs are now starting to have it. And so he went on and say to say that that project, that project of Apple having their own microchip made in-house, took 10 years from conception all the way to deployment. And so he said, you know, you need to be thinking at that level of strategy. You need to be thinking not just what's going to happen one year, two years, three years. You need to be thinking, you know, 10 years from now. So I think that was relevant. And again, because of the audience, now we're not just looking at mix of lawyers that they're all, you know, well into their 50s or such. Now we have a lot of lawyers that they're just, you know, late 20s, early 30s, and they're getting started and they are certainly thinking about this thing. That was fantastic. Now, then there was, Grace, uh, another one that was all of these young lawyers that got into the stage and what did they share in common is that they are all building great brands through social media. Some of them through TikTok, some of them through Facebook and a mix of stuff. Some of them by running highly localized campaign efforts through traditional mixed with social. There was everything, Grace. So I'll let you tell us a little bit more about that one. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, that's right. We were talking about the specifics of the... Um the videos that were coming up, right? And uh, yeah. it, it was so interesting. I mean, they had the gamut sort of like they did for everything else where it was 
Uh, some people really won on Instagram, it seemed like. And for those of you that don't know, uh, TikTok kicked legal services off of the uh, service. Um, yeah. So you can't sell like TikTok ads mm -hmm. or anything like that. But mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you can't have your own, still your own TikTok channel. Um, yeah. And they, you know, one of them up there did, as a matter of fact, and she has done phenomenal in TikTok. Yeah. Uh, she essentially grew up on TikTok kind of property property damage right yeah. was the yeah 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 i mean i think it's it's weird, funny that you say you grew up on TikTok because TikTok just came out a few years ago but that's <laughs> but, what it is yeah, yeah i mean he she 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 hit it right there and there um and, and yeah i mean really really fun stuff there right fun entertaining informative yeah grace i mean what what many of them are saying is that they have equal of a following from potential clients, but also from lawyers that are also interested and they're building communities through that. They want to learn, they're finding the same challenges and such, which is great, right? You can never go wrong by, you know, surrounding yourself from people who experience similar things than you do, that have overcome challenges that you may be facing and that potentially can become uh, referral partners. I think it's just great. There were so many fun stories there. And I think it was interesting because it was diverse. As we were saying, all the panels had a lot of very uh, different cases uh, or case studies in them. You had the, the person that is now monetizing his uh, content in YouTube, like literally making money out of allowing uh, YouTube to run ads inside his uh, content in YouTube. And, you know, the, the volume in which he's generating content, which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's a tremendous amount of content. And I, I don't say ridiculous as a, as a bad thing. I just say that it's really impressive. And then um, you have this other, there, there was one person there from Orlando. I mean, how terrible that we don't have the names of any of these guys, but they're actually really, really good. I'm sure if you dig a little bit deeper, you will you can find out who were the panel participants at the CEO Lawyer Summit. Uh but yeah, there was this guy also that is, is doing his social content in Orlando. And then he's also mixing that up with sponsorship on podcasts. That's another thing that I love, right? I think it's the first time that I heard on top of an actual legal conference, somebody talk about podcasts, which it, it goes so unnoticed, Grace. So unnoticed. And it's, it, it, I mean, it's, it's basically the same formula as radio, right? the same formula as radio and it's such a you know it's such a powerful uh, place to be present it, it, particularly going back if you know who your buyer persona is who, who is your avatar if they listen to podcasts then you should be there and i'm starting to see it even more standardized now great but it's it's possible you basically just create a block where uh you tell your um you tell your uh, advertisers, hey, just so you know, I have here 30-second spot in the beginning, 30-second spot in the middle, and 30-second spot at the end of my podcast. And you guys can go there and uh, target your uh, our listeners, and um, we'll take some of that money, right? That's possible. It's easy. Easy. Most of, most of the uh, podcast publishing platforms are already enabling those features. So it's not hard. It's really not hard. So, all right, Grace, that's one thing. Now, let's move on to the next session. And that was, I believe, Eddie Malouf, who is um, the CEO for uh, Forum Media Marketing. 
And so he works together very closely with Ali. They basically do the management of the campaigns. And so he shared a lot of information about how to build the campaigns, how to leverage YouTube. And so explained also about localizing your campaign, targeting particular areas, then um, how to build your audiences. It was really comprehensive, very interesting. And I must add also that at the end of every, every, each one of these presentations, there was uh, so many good questions also asked by the audience. So that was also fun. Now, uh, let's move on. Let's wrap it up with the last few conferences of the day. Uh, we had a gentleman called Dennis Yu, right? And he was fun. He was really, really fun. He came in and really did kind of like a hands-on exercise, boosting and posting Twitter uh post uh, live and boosting it up with $1 and then throughout the talk showing how much impressions it got, what engagement it got so far and so forth. And so his whole thing is that you don't need to go crazy with a budget and such to really build up an audience to create content and to have an impact. Um, he actually uh, made it look very simple. And fair enough, he actually also simplified a lot of this process throughout his conversation. And one other thing that I really liked uh, uh, that he made a demo for is for uh, AI content creator, for copy content creation, which is a really fun space. But in my opinion, you know, being part of more of the mindset that to create good content, it needs to be thoughtful. I I, I still have my reservation about uh, a bot writing content, but I will tell you something. It is uh, it is becoming very, very, very powerful. I actually signed up for one quite a few years ago when it first started this whole thing, and it was called Spin yeah. Rewriter. And yeah. it would take content and scrape it across the uh, different websites, and then it would rewrite it. Um, it wasn't that good, yeah. you know. Um, it got um, better over the years, and most recently, I kind of looked at it again, and it was decent, but it still wasn't the type of content that I was looking for. So I'm very, very interested to see this specific piece of software and see how, um, yeah, if it's been Jarvis. able to include what you know, you and I, we talk a little more nerdy on certain things. So if, yeah. if it's been able to include semantic language, how Google does it. Yeah, no, it does. It does, Grace. But the point here is, is that if you're trying to recreate content, it may be uh, helpful up to a certain extent. But when you're really creating content, like I, I just, I, I, I have to use my example because I cannot think of anything better, right? There are not more authoritative spaces online that are writing about legal bilingual marketing or Hispanic marketing than we are, right? So we don't have a lot of spaces where to go and search and create, uh, recreate content that's already existing. So, you know, it, it pretty much comes down to it. Are you just repurposing content that other people have already created? Or do you actually need to create uh, fresh content that has not yet been explored or talked about enough? So I guess that's one of the considerations that you need to have because it's, it, it, you know, these AI writers, they're basically limited to what is already existing in the internet. And it doesn't necessarily know everything that is in the internet. Some of them say that they've already crawled 10% of content that exists on the internet, which is huge amounts of content. But still, you know, the point is, is that this is a technology that is here, that it's getting better. 
but I would just say take take it step by step. We we use them. We have uh, memberships to them, but we selectively use them for certain things. It could be a good a good tool, for instance, to punch up some of your content to do an extra grammar check. It can be good as well to run on it um, duplicate uh, a test, right? So it's just a good way of adding resources and assets to your toolkit that you can use to your advantage. Great. Um, then we have two more speakers, Ken Hardison, who came and talked about KPIs and knowing your numbers. And that's always, you know, it's mind blowing because the guy has so much experience and he knows so well, so well how to run a law firm that uh, it never ceases to, to, to impress. And uh, last but not least, Maria from Low Rank. We've had uh, Mariana from Low Rank here at the uh, podcast at some point. Got, went up to talk about SEO, right? It was really, really fun because she made it very dynamic. She gave a lot of examples. She got people to take out their phones to, to complete search queries and things. It was fun. It was really, really um, educational uh, for people that probably do not know where SEO, what SEO is, right? <laughs> what is the difference between a paid a listing on the search results page against a local pack, against organic listing, and then obviously on-page SEO, link building, domain rating, a lot of things there that were really interesting and important for people to understand. So um, definitely a, a, a good aha moment for many, for many lawyers. And then the day wrapped up with two things, a panel, the marketing panel, where um, basically everyone who was in the uh, day giving conversations about marketing went back up and had a conversation and, you know, got questions asked by Ibrahim, who Ibrahim is uh, Ali's brother, correct? Correct. It was moderated by Ibrahim. Ibrahim was quite a bit on the stage as well. It was fun. He's a great guy. Great, great, very smart guy. So that that was a fun panel as well. And Grace, at the end, it ended up with the raffle of some really cool stuff. They gave away a camera kit, like for creating content, iPads, which was very nice, I must say. They actually gave the iPad specifically for the audience that was on the live stream. So that's very cool, very thoughtful. Um, then they gave away a very powerful Mac. Pro and a Rolex race, believe it or not. So um, yeah, very fancy giveaways uh, towards the end. And the last and most important thing here, Grace, to mention is that Ali is putting together a CEO Lawyer Academy, which is uh, really, really great, really fun. I mean, sounds like a, a, a great learning academy slash mastermind. Really, really interesting stuff there. What do you think? Definitely. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, we signed up for it. <laughs> we locked out New York PI and mass tort. So yeah, I, um, I was looking for resources for, uh, for our content person. And, um, that you remember you were saying that earlier in this podcast was about that portal and being able to look at the content. So they're going to turn around the content in 48 hours. We have so much content that needs to be looked at that I don't have time to look at all the time. Um, and I'm the one that's kind of been looking at all of our content. So yeah, it's yeah. it's phenomenal to have a portal and resources and the Academy seems like it's going to be something very good for us. They even gave you a 90 day money back guarantee that, you know, um, of course, if you use their services, you it comes out of the 90 days, but it's to me, it seemed very reasonable. And one thing I said on the testimonial that I'm, I would like to say here on the podcast is there was a vacuum 
for a young, hungry lawyer who understood implicitly all the things that you and I talk about on these podcasts every day, all the time, and that is brand yourself, tell your story, and it will, it's not if you build it, they will come. No, put your message out there and have a consistent message and brand yourself because the branding play is long-term. It's for you, it's for your firm, and it's you telling your story. There was a vacuum for that social media young, hungry lawyer, and I feel like Ollie's firm has been able to fill that, and he's kind of bringing um, all of the people that were there onto the same path, and it's very yeah. helpful. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I, again, Ali, you know, is, is become well-known. There's a whole set of lawyers that are on the same game. You need to understand where you are, where you're standing, what's your strategy, what what works for you, and double down on that, right? Double down on that. Um, good, good, good opportunity also to remember, you know, do not get distracted by the shiny objects. Um, know very well where is it that you are succeeding, what is scalable for you, for your firm, and go up from there. But without see, the, being said... Um, do not miss out on the opportunity to experiment, to try something new and to see whether you can potentially get yourself growth through opportunities that you may have not considered in the past. That's right. Yep. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, <laughs> that's right. And I think that's our takeaways, right? That's our takeaways. Yeah. Know your strengths, double down on them, explore opportunities, and you're going to give us a third one, Grace. Stick to telling your story. Don't be somebody else. Because nobody yep. wants that someone else. They want to know you and to know, like, and trust you. So just tell your story. Yep. And whether you have a face for radio, as he said, <laughs> or you look great on camera, it doesn't really matter. Just tell your story, find the avenue that works for you, and do it. That's right, Grace. Well, thank you so much for another great conversation. And we'll be back again next week. Have a great rest of your day, Grace. You too, Leo. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week.